Having God's Word is a big advantage, as Pastor Ed Taylor explains. You see the book here? It's no ordinary book. This isn't just any other book out there. You know, you could take any bestseller off the shelves at Barnes & Noble today, take it home and read it, and it will not change your life. Oh, it might change a few behaviors, but only God's Word can say, here's what your life looks like, here's the solution to your life or relationship with Jesus Christ, and here's the power to live that life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You The Jews of long ago had a great advantage as they were given God's Word and told about the coming Messiah. But they didn't see it as the privilege it really was, but rather became self-righteous. Fast forward to today, and we have a big advantage in having the Word of God too. But do we see those advantages and live as we should in light of them? Today on Abounding Grace, we'll see what God's Word can do for you. It's part of our study in Romans. Let's join Pastor Ed Taylor in chapter 3. This isn't just any other book out there. You know, you could take any bestseller off the shelves at Barnes & Noble today, take it home and read it, and it will not change your life. Oh, it might change a few behaviors. I mean, there are a lot of great self-help books. I just, by the way, you know, just understand you don't need self-help, you need help from God, okay? Just understand that. So oh, I need some help, I'm gonna help myself, but aren't you the one that caused all the problems? What do you want self-help for? <laughs> You need God in your life. You need God to do a work. But you can pull that book off and they can give you some behavioral changes. Don't do this. Start doing that. And you're like, okay, I can start doing that. But only God's word can say, here's what your life looks like. Here's the solution to your life or relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the power to live that life. There is no other book on the face of the planet that has ever been, that exists now or will ever be, that will have the power of God in it. This book is no ordinary book. And generally, that high view of Bibles in our hands has been lost today. And it's continuing to be lost. Where the Bible's just not that big a deal anymore. And it could come in our society. It could come from the fact that we can have, like on my computer, I've got 30 plus Bible translations. I can look them up anyway, backwards, frontwards, cross-reference. I can look it all over. I've got this version with this cover on this shelf over here. And I've got this Bible for this and this Bible for that. And it could be that we have so many and we're so blessed that we've taken a low view of the scriptures. But do you know that there are brothers and sisters across the world today that don't have a full copy of the Bible, let alone a full copy of one of the books of the Bible, that they share pages together and they memorize the book, the, the Bible, they memorize the books of the Bible, they memorize the chapters of the Bible because they know at any time the authorities could come and take the Bible or take the page or take what they have away from them. I think it's something that we've lost and I pray that the Lord would bring us back. It's so bad today that it's not just, that the Bible can be treated like any other book. Not only that, but in some circles today, it's not even being regarded high enough to bring to church. Listen, guys, the Bible, you need a Bible in church. You need a Bible in this church. You need a Bible in life. And don't let anybody take it out of your hands. 
well-meaning or not. Don't let anyone tell you it's not that important. Don't let anyone tell you, you know, I'll interpret it for you. No, you read the Bible. You pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit. You follow what it says. Don't let anyone stand in the gap between you and God because there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. And so you need a Bible. And we'll, if you don't have one, we'll give you one because you need it. Oh, well, you know, Pastor Ed, it's hard to read. I mean, it's a, the word, I, I know the letters are really small. I mean, I know. I, every year I need a big, uh, pretty soon I'm just going to have like one letter right here on the pulpit. I can't even see it. I totally understand. But see, listen, you know, you start going through the scriptures and go, well, it's hard to read. I won't read it anymore. Really? Is that how easily you'll give up? It's hard to read? Or it's hard to understand? I won't read it anymore. Really? Is that how easily you're going to give up? Or oh, I can't find my Bible. I don't know where it is. I don't think I need it. Really? Is that how, is that how easy you're going to give up? The Bible speaks in Hebrews of enduring. There's an endurance part of the Christian life. And the days in which we live, friends, we need to be enduring Christians. Not giving up so easily. Not letting the enemy take this precious book out of our hands. I'll tell you what, if you find yourself in a church where the word of God is not elevated, where it's not extolled as the very word of God, run out the doors as fast as you can. And some of you are thinking, now wait a minute, Ed, please. You're not telling me there are actually churches like that. Oh, yes, I am. And if you find yourself in one of them, whether you're here and you're visiting or you're listening to this on the radio, listen, you go to the pastor and say, why aren't we using the Bible here? I thought this was a church. Oh, get silence, huh? everybody's quiet. I'm serious. The Bible is important. I'll show you what I mean. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We've looked at this many times before, but it's bear, it bears repeating today. There's a great advantage, guys, for you to have God's word. Just as the Jews had a great advantage in God using the prophets and the teachers and the leaders to tell them about the Messiah to come. Look at verse 16, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. And next to the word complete, you could just write the word mature, because that's what it means in the original language. That you might be mature and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So how much scripture is given by God and inspired by God? Oh, you know what that means? Genesis is inspired of God and profitable. Exodus, Leviticus, yes. Ecclesiastes, the Proverbs, the Psalms, the New Testament, the Old Testament, Zephaniah, Revelation. That's why we as a church are committed totally to teaching every word, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible. And when we're done in 22 years, when we're done, we're going to start back at the beginning and continue to teach all the way through God's word. Because as God's word gets in you, God's word then is lived out through you. All of Scripture, so that's a word you want to mark, all, is given by the inspiration of God. That word inspiration literally means God-breathed. Because sometimes you're talking to people about the Bible and they're, they're, they're going to come back with something like, well, didn't man write the Bible? I mean, didn't man write it? You know, you can answer that question, yes, God used men to jot down the words that he wanted written down. That's what God-breathed means. 
that he fully encompassed the person using their personality to write down exactly what he wanted written down when he wanted it written down. So that when we're studying the Bible here, these are God's words to us. Now notice four things you're taking notes that happens in God's word. God's word is profitable and it's inspiring and it's inspired of God. Number one, it's profitable for doctrine. So the Bible is going to teach us truth about God and about ourselves. The Bible is going to teach us truth. Anytime we open the word, it's going to be filled with truth. The second one is profitable for reproof. You know another word for reproof? Rebuke. And that's why some of you put your Bible down. Because you don't like rebuke. Who likes rebuke? None of us really do. So when the Bible, you come across a scripture, I love you, Lord, you love me, you're messed up. Oh, no, no. Well, the Bible is profitable. If the Bible doesn't tell you, who will? You know, sometimes people don't tell us things because they're afraid to say things, but God's not afraid. He's going to tell you straight up. This is what's going on in your life. This is what you need to hear. This is how you need to hear it. So just take it because I love you. It's just like when those of you as parents have to correct your kids. Or maybe in the context of a marriage, you guys are, in your marriage, you're correcting one another. Or maybe you have a really good friend in your life and you allow them to correct you, to rebuke you. Well, God, he does it out of supreme love. He wants to tell us the truth about ourselves. And so there's reproof. The third one, though, is correction. I love that about God. He just doesn't say, hey, this is messed up. But he says, this is messed up in your life and here's how to get it right. He corrects us. He gives us the right direction to take. The Bible teaches us truth about ourselves, about God. It teaches us what's wrong about ourselves and things are going on in our life. And then correction teaches us how to fix what is wrong. And then the final one is instruction in righteousness, teaching us how to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ, that we might grow in his grace and his knowledge. Some of the reasons that some of you are not growing and you don't see much spiritual growth in your life is because you're not taking heed to God's word when he's trying to teach you how to grow. It's as simple as that. So you walk in week after week with the same issues in your life. You walk in week after week with the same sins in your life. You walk in week after week thinking, well, I've done the outward, but you see God's aiming for your heart. He wants to change you inwardly. Well, I am the way I am because of the way, it's my past. No, the Bible says that your past is under the blood of Jesus Christ. And he'll help you work through some bad habit patterns, but the Bible's true. It's 100% true. It's always true. And this is the truth, that you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. Behold, old things have passed away and all things have become new. It's so easy to let the world lie to us. Well, I am the way I am, but Jesus is much more powerful than the world. And you are the way you are because you're choosing to be that way. It gets quiet again. But I love you guys. And I've counseled with enough people to understand that past pains and sorrows can develop into present-day bad habits, sinful habits. And the Holy Spirit, he even wants to comfort you in the past pains and sorrows. I'm not, believe me, I'm, don't misunderstand me. I'm not minimizing how much pain can happen in this world, how people can hurt us, how that can have a long-lasting stain in our life towards certain circumstances. But our past can so easily corrupt our present because we simply don't believe what God has said, that he's changed our lives. And he wants to continue to do a good work. And so please be careful with your Bibles. 66 books in the Bible you have in your hand. 40 different authors, three different languages, three separate continents that it was written by. Written by people of all stations of life. And yet there's one consistent theme. God's undying love for man. And his availability to that way out of sin and darkness and depravity. That your sins can be forgiven, your eternal life can be secured. God's word is so effective and so powerful. I look around and just see the word of God working in your lives. 
The joy it is to watch as a pastor and a fellow believer and a friend to watch God's work in your life through his word. That you hear the truth, you apply the truth, you live the truth, and the Lord God does a wonderful, it's just awesome to see. I mean, you don't, even, you, you don't even have to see it out there. You can just see it right here and just looking at it like, man, look at my life. What am I doing in the pulpit? God. That's what. So I'm such a knucklehead. If you really knew how much of a knucklehead I was, you'd really be scared. You're like, what? What is he doing in there? I'll tell you what. God and his work in my life. I stand here not in my own righteousness or in my own goodness or all of my studying and all of my... No, 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 no. I'm here because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's why you're where you're at and what God's doing in your life. I mean, I look at it and it's like, wow, my... I mean, you, you, think, you think about where you could be right now with apart from Jesus Christ. Where would your life be? What direction would you be taking? If Jesus hadn't intervened in your life and apprehended your heart, where would you really be? I mean, that's the power of God's word. If you read it and you study it and you take heed to it, God's word will accomplish his work. So stick with it, guys. Let my life be an encouragement to you. Let the small little glimpses of God's power in your life be an encouragement to you to carry on, to continue on, to know that there's victory. The victory is already yours. We're more than victorious in Christ Jesus. And he's faithful even when we're faithless. For the Jews now in Romans, they were given God's word. They were told about the coming Messiah. But they took the privilege, and instead of it melting their heart for those that needed God, they became self-righteous. They were told about things in Isaiah 53 about the coming Messiah. They were told in Psalm 22. They knew the prophecies. They studied the prophecies. They had all the advantage of all the warnings and all the cautions, but they didn't heed the Messiah. They rejected him. I'll tell you what, when we went to Israel, we spoke with one of the rabbis that today does not believe in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he took all the scriptures from Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 and totally misinterpreted them and totally took them off in a direction to just the reality of his life living apart from his Savior. So that the rabbis that had the original scrolls and the original writings totally understood that these were messianic statements. They totally understood it was speaking of the coming Messiah. But now the hearts are so hard that the rabbis, they took the same passages that we, we refer to and see speaking of the Messiah. They now totally explain them away. A lot has changed over the years. A lot of hardness of heart. The Bible that we have is a great advantage in our lives. All that we need for faith and life is contained in this book. Every single answer to every single question is there, even if the answer is, trust me. That's a tough answer sometimes. Trust me. Keep your eyes firmly focused on me. I love you with an everlasting love. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 6. Flip over there with me. You know, we're in John on Thursday nights. What a great compliment to Romans. We're studying through in our midweek Bible study. In John's Gospel, taking our time through that one as well. And I love this. We looked at this not too many weeks ago in John's Gospel, chapter 6. This is no ordinary book you have in your hands. Listen, John 6, 63. Jesus is speaking here. And he says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Can you get an amen to that? Is it true? Does your flesh profit you anything? Pain and sorrow, man. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you, he says, who do not believe. That's it, isn't it? Too many today are seeking life elsewhere. 
looking at life in this world or the things of this world or their own philosophies and their own thoughts, when in reality, the truth and life is found in the words of Jesus Christ. You know, as Corey Ten Boom, I think, said it best, she was right when she said, you'll never discover Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. <laughs> I mean, really, you really never know how much you need Jesus until Jesus is all you have in everything in life. And his words are spirit in their life. And Jesus is among us, not only through his spirit residing in us, but revealed in the open Bibles before you. And so, a very simple ingredient to your spiritual growth is to read your Bible every day. I mean, there's some profound thing where, what can I do to grow in the things of the Lord? Well, read your Bible every day. Remember, I've shared before, take a chapter of the Proverbs, one a day. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. Read a chapter of Proverbs every day because God will infuse wisdom in your heart. And then if you're just starting out, start reading some of the Psalms. It doesn't matter how many you read. Read four, five, ten, whatever you want a day because then that will develop a worshipful heart. And then take one of the Gospels. Take Mark. It's one of the easiest Gospels to read through. And just read through the Gospels to get to know your Jesus personally. And as you do that, it'll be, things will begin to open up to you and your eyes will be, and it'll begin to be prepared as you read some of these other books and learn some of the themes of the books and understand, you know, this is what God is saying today. It's enough, isn't it, that we are sidelined and sidetracked with all these other voices in this world. And it takes some endurance and some diligence to remain in the Word. I want to close today with Psalm 19. Would you turn there with me? We read that together earlier. As we head into communion, let's just look at the Word of God for what it says of itself. It's all inspired. It's all profitable. Every part of God's Word is inspired and profitable. And let's just look at a few qualities in Psalm 19 we're going to pick up in verse 7. If you're jotting down, there's at least six things I want you to leave with surrounding the beautiful truths of God's Word. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 7. You ready? Psalm 19. Verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So the law of the Lord is perfect. The law speaks of the totality of His Word. From where does emotional restoration and mental restoration and spiritual strength come from? Not from delving into the past, not from delving into the mistakes that we've made, but by diving into God's Word. Because notice, it converts the soul. That's where true change comes from. Not just a change of mind, but a change of heart. The Word of God is perfect. Notice the second part of verse 7, number 2. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And so God infuses wisdom in us, and the testimony of God is sure. You can count on it. You can trust it. It is solid. It is sure. The Word of God gives us solid footing to those that would otherwise sink in the sinking sands of the world and the things of this world. Number three is verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You know, studying God's Word will make you happy. It'll give you joy in your heart. That not all is lost. I mean, you look at the news today and it bums you out, doesn't it? Does it bum you out? I mean, you look at everything that's going on in our world and it's very easy just to be bummed out. But God's word brings great joy. You look what's going on in the Middle East. You look at the depravity of man and the spiraling of man in today's world. And I'm reminded of what the word of God says. And that is, Jesus is coming again. Soon. <laughs> I mean, Lord, even so, come quickly. I mean... Lord, we're always tossed and turned, aren't we? Because there are people in our lives that don't have a relationship with Jesus and our hearts go out to them. 
Say, oh Lord, bring them to a saving faith before you return. Bring them to that place of salvation. And our heart's desire is, oh, I want to see you, Jesus, and I also want to see my loved ones come to know you. And I know you have that tension. Just keep praying through it. Just say, oh Lord, I want your perfect will to be done. But it brings joy to our hearts. You know, it was Jeremiah who was cast into a pit. You know, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. That was his ministry. He was, man, the people did not respond really well to Jeremiah. I mean, they didn't like what he was saying. They threw him in a pit. There you go, Jeremiah. We're throwing you in a deep, dark pit. But it was in that pit in Jeremiah 15. You can look it up later. The word was found, and I did eat it. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. So even in the deep, dark pit, God's word can bring joy in our lives. You know where I find joy, Jeremiah says, in the word. Number four is in verse eight. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandments are pure, without flaw. They're workable, they're understandable, they're powerful. How is it that a person sees clearly in their life? How do you high schoolers see clearly? How do you junior hires see clearly? How do you adults see clearly? By God's word. We take everything to account and we have father-filtered eyes. Eyes that filter everything through God's word for establishment and for truth. Number five is found in verse nine. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Because you spend a lot of time in God's word, it will develop in you a holy awe and reverence and fear of God. Not a fear of running away from him, but a fear that brings awe and majesty into our lives. The word of God is not based on some passing fad. It's not based on whatever pop culture is saying today or some humanistic ingredient or invention. It's clean and it's pure and it's straightforward and it's enduring It's enduring. I love that. And then the final one in verse 9 is, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. We know in our heart of hearts that God's word is true, and his spirit confirms its truthfulness. Then he says in verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold. Not a lot of desire for gold today, but you could write next to the word gold, money. More to be desired, the word of God, than money. Think of all the overtime you put in at work. Think of all the time you're trying to get ahead. Think of all the time you stay up late at night. Think of all the time that you click at that keyboard or you're in the office trying to file stuff. Think of all the time that your mind is encompassed and you're desiring these things and you're living for these things. I'm not talking about those of you that have to work and and work really hard and a little extra to make ends meet. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ones that could go home but don't and just pour themselves into this world. And the world, is it's, it's like a vacuum. And it just gets you. And he says, I'll tell you what, if you took all that overtime and all that work and all that thinking and all that planning, the word of God is more to be desired than that. It really is. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's leading a study from Romans. You can find our studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And they're accessible through our app, too. Do a search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Pastor Ed, we have a timely resource we'd like to share with our listeners. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. What can you tell us about it? Well, you know, around the time of Christmas, Larry, you can always expect major publications online, newspapers that are online, magazines, to put out stories trying to put down Christmas, saying it's not real, it's not true, um, saying it has origins that have nothing to do with Jesus. And we always like to remind our congregation that this is a tremendous time of evangelism, Christmas. and 
Lee Strobel, being an investigative reporter himself, uh, consults Bible experts and archaeology and the messianic prophecies of the Bible that prove with great evidence the true story of Christmas, that little baby in the manger, Jesus, God in human flesh. And there is incredible evidence that's available to the person that is willing to listen. And and so I, I we put out this this resource because we want Christmas to be extremely evangelistic. We want you to be able to uh, share with those the eyewitness evidence, the scientific evidence, the profile evidence, and even the fingerprint evidence, the identity of Messiah, of that baby, the miraculous virgin birth. Uh, this is a must resource, and we have it available through uh, abounding grace, and also here at the church. And I hope you get a bunch of them. Just start giving them to your friends, give them to your coworkers, put them in your gift baskets, put them in your gift boxes. It's a very inexpensive resource, and it's just something we want to make sure that are in your hands that you give away for the sake of evangelism, because everything is about getting the word of Jesus Christ out into the people that we love and know. We'll gladly send you a copy of The Case for Christmas when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Please request that by calling us at 877-30-GRACE. We'll cover more ground in Romans chapter 3 tomorrow and learn that God can use even our failures. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.